0: The Wall, Masaya del Muro, a bilingual podcast where we dive into muralism and public art, getting to know it on a deeper level as we learn about the people, process, and philosophy behind the work. I'm your host, Shannon McAvoy, recording from Santiago, Chile. In January of this year, I had the pleasure of interviewing Adriana Muferreji. Adriana is a very talented painter and mosaic artist based in Cordoba, Argentina. She is known for her excellence in mosaic portraiture, and she has traveled all over the world teaching mosaic portrait workshops. She has also done several mosaic murals. I met Adriana at the first international urban mosaic intervention in Puente Alto, Santiago, Chile, in 2014. In that two-week-long project, organized by artist Isadora Paz Lopez, we were mosaicing the front of the Puente Alto Municipality Building, and Adriana and I were working on sections of wall near each other. I will always remember the day of the event when Adriana gave a presentation on her work. I was just mesmerized by her mixed media portraits with painting and mosaic, and I knew that I wanted to create art like that someday. It is such a treat for you guys to be able to listen to Adriana's story. I've divided our conversation into two parts. In this first half, we talk about Adriana's beginnings as an artist and later her experience with the book The Artist's Way. I also asked her about one of her painting projects that really resonated with me. We also discussed Adriana's journey from painting to mosaic and a few of Adriana's first mosaic mural projects. Plus, of course, we talk about the life-changing experience we had at the mosaic intervention in Chile in 2014 and how the connections Adriana made there led to her traveling for mosaic to many different countries before the pandemic hit and our relationship to travel changed. We go into how during the pandemic, Adriana has pivoted to teaching mosaic workshops online. Finally, I'm so excited that this episode with Adriana happens to be coming out on International Women's Day, March 8th. Girls rule the art world. Without further ado, please welcome Adriana Mufarraji.
1: Hello, Adriana. Thank you so much for coming to be a guest on this podcast about art and murals. I'm so excited to have you on. And how are you today, Adriana?
2: Fine. Shannon, thank you very much for inviting me. I feel honored to be one of the first ones that you interview, So I'm very happy.
1: Good. Good, good, good. Me too. I'm just so thrilled to have you on. I really admire you as an artist. And I think it's going to be really exciting to hear about your artistic journey, your experience as an artist, and also some of your experience in murals too. So maybe you could. Tell us a little bit about your artistic background, anything that you'd like to tell people about how you came to be an artist.
2: Okay. I came to start painting because my background is in painting when I fell in love with a painter. Ah, okay, okay. So I can say it was quite casual. Mm -hmm. Maybe I would have discovered art Later, anyway, I will never know. Mm -hmm. But by those times, uh, he was the one who put some brushes on my hands Mm
1: -hmm.
2: and discovered that I had some Mm -hmm. natural skills, that I didn't have to learn Mm -hmm. certain things that people, that it took years to learn, like uh, drawing and painting in a realistic way. I had it like I had simply inherited it from I don't know who. Wow. I I didn't have to learn those basic skills. Mm -hmm. But shortly later, I started a school of art at the National University of Córdoba here in my city. And I always remember one of the professors who once told me, you are very skillful. Now we will see what you will do with that skill that you possess.
1: Ooh. Like,
2: by, uh-huh. yes, by those times, I didn't know what to do with my skills. Mm-hmm. I even wasn't sure of being there at the School of Arts. I was very young. How old were you?
1: 21, 21, 2021. Yes. Okay, right. So college age. Mm-hmm.
2: And, well, I went to the roof that was beside the classroom to cry. (laughs) To cry. He made me cry.
0: He was
2: Uh was the best teacher I ever had in, in the School of Art. It wasn't his intention to hurt me. Of course, he just said what he was thinking, and he was right. And, well, I always remember that sentence because that's the story of... Every artist, mm-hmm. what will you say mm-hmm. with, with your skills in case you have any? Or, But nowadays you don't even need to have any skills to be a visual artist because there's other kinds of art, the conceptual arts, performance and well, many oh, things. Wow. You don't even mm-hmm. need too many skills. Mm-hmm. But I had the skills. I had nothing to say. I didn't know what to say. And I didn't really understand many things of what is an artist. Or I don't know what to do.
1: Yeah, but that's a deep question.
2: That's the main subject in an artist's life. What to say. Mm. If we don't have nothing to say, we just make empty objects, empty things. Mm. We are always looking for things to say for contents to communicate. I really
1: well, like that. Mm-hmm.
2: So anyway, my background was in painting. I did a little bit of bit and a little bit of that in the school of arts, but I got a degree as an art teacher, but I'm a painter, basically. And mm-hmm. the way I do mosaic is like a painter.
1: Mm-hmm. Well,
2: because I found mosaics later on. I found mosaic in 2010.
1: Okay. So
2: I have a long period of, of painting. And you already know that people come from mosaic from many different places or from other disciplines many times. Right. From architecture, from painting, from sculpture, from glass, flown ceramics. Well, I come from painting and that's my approach. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. That Uh, way I'm a flat person. (laughs) I I always, yes, I'm not used to working in volume.
1: Ah, right. I'm not so used to working in volumes either, but um, Mm -hmm. yes, I get that. Wow. Well, it sounds like so early on, you started really thinking about these deep questions about what you would say as an artist. Do you feel like you've resolved that question for yourself, at least in part? No, not no. at all. No? D- tell me more about... No? no. <laughs> I'm
2: not talking about a story, a mm-hmm. tale, or simply mm-hmm. what to do. What to do with your skills.
1: Right. Okay. That's
2: it. Specifically. I, I finished this work, and now I want to start a new one. Yeah? Okay. What? What shall I do?
1: <laughs> mm, well, that's that that, good. That is. Got it. Well, that's another interesting question. I know you do have commissions and you also have personal work. Your work is just so yes. amazing. Your paints and your mosaics are so realistic. I especially love the portraiture that you have done. It's all great. And for your personal work, how do you get your inspiration? Other artists, books your personal life, nature, like what
2: inspires you? When I painted, mm-hmm. I'm a very visual person. So my inspiration always came from the world around me. Just simple scenes, the city, my house, whatever was around me. Mm-hmm. And I made compositions always based in photographs mm-hmm. that I took. I was always with a camera on before the the mobile phones era.
1: Yeah.
2: So I made sketches and I made compositions Mm -hmm. because even when a painting is realistic, it's a fiction. I mean, you build a scene. But with mosaic, what happened to me and that I loved that is that the mosaic is an object. It's not a totally flat surface on which you create an illusion of volume, an illusion of reality, but it's an object made of many little pieces that have a texture. And so I do like when someone tells you, oh, that's so good. It looks like a photo. Oh, no, because <laughs> I didn't want the paintings to look like photos. Sure. And sure. suddenly at the end, I was feeling that I was just copying photos, even when they were my own photos. And even when I made the sketches and the composition, I ended up being bored because I I knew exactly how the painting would look like when finished. Ah. And when I start a mosaic, I really don't know because I I plan. I make sketches and I plan. I make a general scheme of drawing, of composition, of color, and so on. Mm -hmm. But I don't know for sure. It often changes on Mm -hmm. the way. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the inspiration comes from the materials. And you know it very well because... You're also a a mosaicist too. Yes. So sometimes it's simply that you have found this broken dish that looks so fabulous and you want to use it. (laughs) So you just break it and start using it and let the idea grow. And Mm. that's all. So mosaic for me, uh, much more improvisation and adventure because... Mm. I I don't know for sure how will it look right so that's why I, I love it so much because it made me free
1: wonderful I love how you talk about that because I also I think realistic paintings are it's amazing to do them but I have a similar feeling of what you say like oh it just looks like the photo why would you go through all the work of painting this huge thing if it looks exactly like a photo. I love to see how when you went into mosaic, then you got to be more free again and playing around with the materials and colors. And that makes a lot of sense. That's why
2: I really don't like micro mosaic.
1: Ah.
2: I mean, I admire it because people who make it are really very skillful, but as an art form, Mm -hmm. I don't feel attracted to it because... I don't want a mosaic to look like a photo. No, not at all. Right. I think a mosaic is a language, Mm -hmm. a different language, and it has to look like a mosaic, not like a painting, not like a photo. I
1: love that. Very, very well said. Very well said. Oh, thank you. Do you still paint, by the way, ever? Or you're kind of totally not painting now?
2: No, I don't. No more. Okay, no. because
1: you, you feel like you kind of moved on from that and totally... No, it.
2: I, I mean, I feel that I'm painting with different materials.
1: Okay, sure.
2: I think okay. I'm a painter. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. I use other materials. I'm a painter because of the way I feel art and I feel the world around me. Yeah. I feel it in terms of surfaces and colors and mm-hmm. lights and... If I were a sculpture, I would make sculptural mosaics.
1: Mm. I,
2: I would work in volume. Got it. The fact that I'm making mosaics, it doesn't mean that I won't go back to painting. When I started with mosaic, uh-huh. I didn't know how to make the human figure, how to make a body or a face in uh-huh. mosaic.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: I made a mixed media.
1: Mm, yes, I, I love those that
2: you So I painted the bodies and the face mm-hmm. and all the rest I did in mosaic. Yeah. But when I learned and I had the proper tools and the proper materials, I started to make the bodies and the faces in mosaic too. But mm-hmm. I think the mixed media of painting and mosaic is really very interesting it's it's something to explore Mm
1: -hmm. and
2: i've explored it just a bit but maybe sometime i will go that way as a new adventure
1: uh uh-huh and here's one that i'm looking at right now the al borde del estanque ah yes sounds beautiful and a perfect example of exactly what you're talking about right now
2: yes that's a mixed media.
1: gorgeous And before we get more into the mixed media and mosaic, I just had a a question about your I Am project, your project of painting from 2008. I was just curious about how that work came to be.
2: Well, that was an exhibition that I am, I made after going through a difficult relationship with a man. I ended up ill, very ill. That was... I think, the only important illness that I had in my whole life. And I started those paintings as a self-esteem project. Wonderful. And, well, I don't know how I dared to do something like that because it's me naked in 10 paintings. And I made an exhibition in an art gallery here. Wow, that's super daring. But it's something that I needed to do. Mm-hmm. And that's it. I don't regret it. If Ooh, I would regret it, I wouldn't publish the the pictures in the website. But right. they are there.
1: Yeah, but <laughs> they are I I, there. I think it's really cool to it's a a way to unapologetically be in the world and use your art to express your yourself and.
2: Yes, I painted myself in. A, <laughs> I painted myself more, more beautiful than I really was. <laughs> but well, nonsense. <laughs> I needed it, more beautiful and younger. But well, it was something that I needed to do for myself.
1: Yeah, it sounds like it was kind of a healing process. Could would would that be correct? Yes, I think it was part of a
2: healing process. Yeah. Yes. That's
1: great. Out of curiosity, was this around the time that you read Artist Way?
2: No, much earlier, in the 90s, uh-huh. when it was published. Okay. Yes, my ex-husband bought it, I don't know, in one of his trips, and he brought it home, he brought it to mm-hmm. me. Uh-huh. And that was the first self-help book that I ever read. Recently, I read the second one. Oh, there's awesome. another one? No, no, no. Oh, a
1: different one. A different... Not
2: this, uh, just a different subject. Okay, i oh, got it. Got but it. I mean, it's not a usual subject of reading for me. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. But that one, is specifically, the, the artist way is in English. Yes. The artist yes. way. The artist Julia way. Cameron. Yes. Julia Cameron. Mm-hmm. It helped me a lot because by those times, I was a housewife with two little children and and I had abandoned art. I mean, the activity. But I wasn't happy because, you know, art is inside you, it's in your yeah. head, it's in your heart, yeah. though you, sometimes you deny it, but it's there, mm-hmm. it's there. So that book helped me to notice that and to be aware of that, of who I really was. Even when in those years I wasn't producing any art, well, maybe that was a temporary situation and it it really was. Yeah. And so that book gave me some quietness of mind. It was very important for me. The book has... um, sort of religious approach. Well, I'm really very atheist. Uh-huh. So when Julia wrote, well, that God wants you to be an artist, the notion of God or the universe or whatever, that doesn't make sense to me. But anyway, it was very good too. I, I already, I, I still have it here awesome. at home. And sometimes... Once in a while, I open it and read some parts. It's very interesting and it's it's good for reading.
1: Good. I read it too and I started to do some mm-hmm. of the activities. I didn't finish all of them. I got through like chapter eight.
2: Did, Are uh, you did writing you, every day? I, I did. She said that the main activity was writing every single morning. I, I did that for a while. I didn't do it. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is.
1: And you can do this, goes to show you can be very successful without following it 100%. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I needed to stop doing the writing part myself. It got to be a little much too
2: for me. Yeah, well, but because I think the objective of that is that you start the day thinking of that maybe some people don't need to write mm-hmm. if you think every day of that well mm-hmm. it may be the same Good it's point. the habit of thinking about that right and yeah, also with nice. something that i remember is the importance of paying attention there's a chapter about attention mm-hmm. yeah there's a chapter about the sense of abundance and the corner of the artist. Maybe if you don't have a studio, you just devote a little corner of your house or your apartment Uh to remember you of those things that you love. Uh That was very, very nice too. And to create a sense of abundance With little things, with a basket full of, I don't know, strawberries or some flowers or whatever gives you that sense of abundance.
1: Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, I have started buying flowers a little more often personally. In that note, on that note, I never (laughs) used to buy flowers. But yeah, (laughs) something like that. It can be helpful. It can be good to get you in that mindset of abundance. Well, awesome. Thanks for sharing a little bit about your experience with the artist. I was really curious because you told me a little while ago that it was an important book for you. So I wanted to hear a little bit more. Well, I wonder now, maybe we can kind of start to talk a little bit about your experience with, with murals. You learned Mosaic in 2010. And I was looking at your website. It seems to me that you did some community projects Maybe yes. those were also at that time in urban or close
2: to that. Yes. Time. In yeah. 2010, I found mosaic because I work as an art school teacher and I, I want to do something different with a group of difficult students.
1: Okay.
2: Yeah, I work in primary schools. That's the way I found mosaic. So, one of our first experiences was making a large mural at the Schoolyard, and well, now I look at it, and it looks really awful <laughs> because I didn't know, I didn't know anything, actually. Well,
1: so. I mean, it's the first one. It's you, I, I think everybody says too. You have you have to. Just start making something and it, not everything is yes. the best work. So you feel you need to start and you you don't
2: care. You just go ahead. Yeah. And well, so that's the first one.
1: Is this the one that is the mural in escuela heroes de Malvinas? Yes. Uh, that one.
2: That's the biggest one. Okay. Then the next year I made two smaller ones. Okay. That word actually murals, those other two. They were just one is a square and the other one is a rectangle.
1: Oh, I see. I see one that it says it's from 2012 when there's some kind of mandalas looks like. Ah, don't no. That's a,
2: a different oh, that's period. Different. I started quite soon dictating worships. Mm-hmm. Maybe I shouldn't have started quite soon, but well. <laughs> By those times, there almost weren't any mosaic workshops here uh-huh. Uh-huh. in Córdoba. Mm-hmm. It was for beginners because yeah. I was a beginner too. Sure. And one of the activities was making a mural with a group of students. Mm-hmm. So that uh, sort of big mandala composed of very little parts mm-hmm. was in, in the first worship.
1: Ah, And then
2: I made two or three more with students in public squares or public places. I like them. So it was a group of works, collective works. Perfect. I made a plan, a general scheme, but the, the process of making it was collective. Okay, perfect.
1: I got it. So you, you made a, you made the design and then everybody worked on the design, yes. that design together. Mm-hmm. Nice. And I see there's one that in 2011 a mural in the Plaza del Barrio uh, Ayacucho. Ah, yes, is that, is that's that the one it, you were talking about? In another
2: about? school with the children of another school I was working in, with a group of neighbors too. That was really a communitary project
1: yeah great community projects and that you have several more community projects and then we met in chile in, in, chile. <laughs> in yeah santiago. and tell us a, maybe a little bit about your experience at that event the the first international urban mosaic intervention in santiago chile where we met in t- 2014 maybe a little bit of your experience well, I, met, and... I met I met
2: you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> By those years, I hadn't been practicing my English for many years. Mm-hmm. So but it was so wonderful for me that I could communicate with people like you. Well, you always you you speak Spanish, too. But there were many people who didn't speak Spanish.
1: Mm-hmm. So
2: having learned English when I was young, allowed me to talk to almost anybody there because, well, I also speak Spanish and I understand Portuguese. And so I could communicate with most of the people there. That was wonderful. And well, it has been a life-changing experience. I suppose for you too, maybe. Yes. Was it for you? Yes. yes. And for other people that I, I talked to, it was too uh, and Felicidora herself. Yes, it, yes. It's uh, such extraordinary occasion to spend two weeks with artists from 23 different countries. It's amazing. That, uh, that happens in a lifetime. It's amazing. It really um, was. Well, I met uh, some people who later on, they invite me to dictate workshops, The first one was Chandras Ijevsky, who invited me to Curitiba, Brazil, Mm -hmm. which is a city that has many mosaic artists and public mosaic art and a beautiful city. It was a wonderful trip and that has a very, very important and old mosaic studio and mosaic school, which is called Depósito do Mosaico. There in Curitiba. So it was really wow. a, a wonderful trip. I'm very thankful to to Chandra to this day. Wonderful. And then I came back to I went to Rio de Janeiro, where Gabriel Guira invited me to Sao to Paulo. And well, then Paula Guerra invited me to Chile, so Santiago again. Mm-hmm. And I started to travel around my own country, and then another artist from the urban intervention, Sandrina Van from France, invited me to France. And later on, wow. Justyna Bujin from Poland invited me to Poland. So I started traveling abroad. That I, I, that was something unthinkable for me because. I have never been wealthy enough to travel abroad, you know, because you live here, that it's, we're so far away from the North Hemisphere that everything, well, and we are yeah. God, poor countries. And so it's, it's very hard to, to have the money to travel so far away. So that opened a new world for me. That's. uh, I can only be thankful to Isidora first.
1: (laughs) Yes, we want to say. I want to make sure we say that 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 intervention that we that you and I met at it. 2014, the first International Urban Mosaic Convention. It was organized by Isadora Paz Lopez, and she is also an amazing artist and mosaicist. And I really hope to have her on here on the podcast too. And uh, and she well. invited you to Germany
2: because she's living in Germany now. Yes. And you'll be working with her in I, another project in Germany.
1: Yes. And that was another uh, incredible, amazing experience too, that I'm so grateful for. So it's amazing all. What has come up from from this? Yes, and all all the people
2: that were there in in 2014 Mm -hmm. that kept meeting in different parts of the world for different projects. Mm -hmm. So uh, we feel as part of a community that maybe we we lost contact with most of them, but we know they are there. I mean...
1: Yeah. It happened
2: to me that anytime I talk to someone, you feel welcome.
1: It is Because really everybody
2: great. has good memories of that event.
1: It, yes, it was really special. And I think I think that's a little bit of why I'm doing this podcast, because I want to reconnect with everybody. <laughs> <In part. laughs> yes, yes, it was great. <laughs> it was great. Yeah. Uh, wonderful. Well, this. Yeah, I, it was... Such a cool experience that was at the in Puente Alto in Santiago. And it's great to hear about, it sounds like almost exponential opportunities that you had in traveling because yes. of this one.
2: Um, Not only me, other people too. Because yes. it said everything by those time, Facebook was everything. You right. know. Yeah. So I knew about that Chilean team who was working by Facebook. And it, it went viral all around the world because mm-hmm. it was such a wonderful work that, and unique work that they were making with Mosaic. Everything started in Facebook. And so when we all went there, we had a very, very important exposure
1: mm-hmm.
2: in Facebook. Everywhere. Well, that's one of the reasons why I say it was a life-changing experience. Yeah. And now, well, now something sad. You already know that three of the people who were there are already dead. And it's it's so odd because two
1: of them were so young. That's so sad. Mm -hmm. Well, we have to take advantage of every day. Hopefully we can... Organize another
2: get together too and get us all back together. And now it's it's almost impossible.
1: So, <laughs> I know with the pandemic. Speaking so, of yes. <laughs> yeah, speaking of, why don't we go into that question right now? How has COVID nineteen affected your work as an artist?
2: I think it didn't affect it in terms of the content of the or the subject. It affected Well, it isn't nice to say, but I had a sabbatic year in the primary school. A sabbatical? A sabbatical, how do you say? Here we, we say año sabbático. For example, in the universities, when a professor is quite old, they can ask, it's just like an honor. It's something that they, the university sure. gives you as, yeah. a, as a sort of price or retribution for your career mm-hmm. that they pay your salary a whole year and you don't have to attend.
1: Amazing. Well, yeah. that's why I, they do have that. At, for, yeah, in the US too. Well,
2: mm-hmm. I had that kind of year because the schools were closed the whole year in 2020. Yeah. And well, I had more time. For making art. And something new for me was starting to dictate workshops online because I had spent six years traveling almost every single month. So suddenly I was here all day, and that was wonderful for me. And having the opportunity to meet again, meet people from all over the world because I work in Spanish and in mm-hmm. English, too. Mm-hmm. And so I know that it's something awful and that many, so many people died, but I have to be honest that when I took advantage of this situation, that it, it wasn't up
1: to me to do anything, but
2: go on working
1: in a different way. I think, of course, I think it's, yes, it has absolutely, the pandemic has been absolutely awful in so many ways. And at the same time, I think it's really good that you made lemonade, basically. the It's a huge lemon that COVID-19 has been and it sounds like you really made lemonade of it. it and adapted, pivoted, changed to be more online. And I can attest, I participated in one of your beginning groups of the workshops, and Adriana is absolutely amazing. She's not only super skilled, but she's a great teacher. Just in case anybody oh, wants to join one of your workshops <laughs> in the future, they're so just uh, they're so great, really really high quality. I was very impressed with how they were. Now I uh, thank you. Still, I still have to finish one more <laughs> thing. Oh yeah, one more one more
2: thing that I. I can speak like this so in a so positive way because I've been lucky enough to uh, to not having any death
0: mm. in my
2: family or friends. Sure. Oh mean. yeah. So, if I had suffered that loss, of course I wouldn't be speaking like this. Of course, but well, yeah. Uh,
1: that's the way it is thanks for sharing that when you were talking about this i was just pretty astonished to hear that prior to this basically since 2014 up until the like pandemic in 2020 you had been traveling every month basically almost
2: every month of the year yes
1: that's just incredible so we just when you mentioned the places that you visited was just kind of the tip of the iceberg it sounds like of all the places you visited brazil Uruguay. And Uruguay. Wow. Chile. From, uh-huh. Yeah, all these different places. And these are all to do your portraiture workshop, correct? Mosaic portraiture? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Amazing. And is there another trip that in particular stands out as something like really positive memory you have of that of a trip of a workshop or
2: all trips, especially the trips. The trips abroad. Yeah. Well, I've been to many places here in my country, too. Uh You know, it's a big country. But when you travel abroad, well, it's really very special because you get to know different cultures and sometimes different languages. And so that's really very special. For example... The last trip abroad that I made just before the pandemic was to northern Chile, Antofagasta, which is a desert. It's one of the driest places in the planet. It's such an odd place
0: yeah. and
2: beautiful at the same time. I don't know. I've been to a petrified forest in the Argentinian Patagonia. Uh, well, I've been to Uruguay, Brazil. I've always loved Brazil. Mm-hmm. Poland. I love Poland, too. It's a very, very special place. Sounds so wonderful. And well, I've been to Italy, too. That was in one of the symposiums organized by Julia Menonzi. That was a very, very interesting event, too. Not so big, of course. We were a small group of artists working there for two weeks, too. Okay, that was very beautiful, too. And I had the opportunity of going to the Scuola Mosaicisti del Friuli in Skridenberg, which is the most well-known mosaic school in the world, just to visit, just a whole day or, or several hours there. And it was incredible, incredible, incredible. And also that famous... Smalti Factory in the same town, Spilimbergo. Dona Smalti. Oh, my God. And I also had the possibility of working with the Smalti pizzas in Julio's studio mm-hmm. because uh-huh. that's the material that I chose to work in big pieces with the, with the Smalti pizzas. That I don't think I will ever be able to <laughs> work with that material <laughs> anymore because it's so expensive. But well, I took advantage of that. I said, Well, it's now or never.
1: Yeah, good for you for trying it. Now or never. Way to go all out. Yeah, but it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful material.
2: Very Seems difficult like a, to
1: cut. I was gonna very say
2: difficult, very mm-hmm. difficult to cut and give shape to it. When you cut it in very tiny pieces with the hammer and hardy, what it's not so difficult, but when you want to to make big pieces, we here in Latin America we work a lot with ceramic tiles, which are very easy to cut. Right. But these these huge pieces of glass, thick glass, are so hard, and I was bleeding all the time. Oh, Blood everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I
1: know. that's part of the life of a mosaic artist. I feel like, but must be especially with that material (laughs) ouch ouch oh my yeah well very very cool that you got to use that material even though it was a challenge that was the only time when i used only smart because i usually mix
2: materials
1: okay perfect thank
0: you how inspiring was that and to think that there's more coming next week here are nine awesome takeaways from the first half Number one, without a message, art is empty. What will you say with your artistic skills? What is your message to the world? This is a question that we must constantly be asking ourselves as artists, no matter what stage in our career. Number two, mosaic is its own language. It's not meant to look like a photo, so it can free artists from the potential trap of photorealism. Mosaic is an improvisational adventure. Number three, art is inside you, in your head and in your heart. Even if you sometimes deny it, it's always there. Number four, The Artist's Way is a great self-help book for artists. However, you don't have to do the morning pages religiously. The point is to establish a positive daily habit surrounding your art. Number five, self-portraits can be part of a healing process. Number six, Adriana started teaching mosaic workshops shortly after she started learning the craft. Don't let feeling like a total beginner stop you from sharing your gifts with others. Number seven, connecting with artists from other countries and backgrounds is literally life changing. Number eight, it's possible to make a thriving career out of teaching mosaic workshops, in person and online. Number nine, it's now or never. Just like Adriana went for it when she made a gorgeous artwork with the super expensive and challenging smelting material, go do that difficult thing that you've been wanting to do. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of Beyond the Wall, Masaya Allá del Muro. We love that you're here. You can follow Adriana on Instagram at amuforreje.mosaico. If you enjoyed this episode and you would like to support the show, you can also follow us on Instagram at beyondthewall.muralpodcast. Sharing this episode with a friend and leaving a review are more ways that you can spread the love. Finally, you can support us at my Patreon page for exclusive benefits related to the podcast. Find me at patreon.com forward slash Shannon McAvoy. Thank you so much again for being here and we'll see you next time for the second half of this amazing interview with Adriana.